Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. You've got your word with you today. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. We are, gonna, we are going to continue our series that we launched last week. I'm excited to be back with you once again this week as we continue our movement towards Easter with the series we started last week, Fueled by Love. And remember, as you're turning there, Philippians chapter 2, that while Jesus was hanging there on the cross, it wasn't the nails that kept him there. It wasn't the nails that kept him there. It wasn't the threat of the Roman legions or the hatred of the Jewish elite. It was his love for you and I that led him to take the punishment of our sins upon himself. Jesus willfully and lovingly gave up his life so that we might gain everlasting life. And as we began examining last week, we found that he was fueled by an unconditional and sacrificial love. And God the Father so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. God gave us the greatest gift, Jesus, through whom we might all experience everlasting life and forgiveness. And as you heard last week from Acts chapter 28, 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive and the outflow of God's unconditional love for us is that he gave. He gave and he, he, he gifted us the, the most powerful, powerful uh, illustration of sacrificial giving and uh, Wednesday night we engaged that. We, we engaged that act of sacrifice in giving of ourselves for the love of others who have not come to the redeeming knowledge of Jesus Christ. Um, so many of you, scores of you, were gathered here Wednesday evening as we gathered around all the names that were written here on these boards and just began to cry out to God for their salvation, giving ourselves in sacrifice, not to aggrandize ourselves, but just simply to say, Lord, we believe in the manifest power of God and we believe that it's going to be unleashed in the hearts and lives of these people and we're standing in agreement in this place that, Lord, you are a miracle worker, you are a way maker as we sang about earlier today and you are able to break through the darkness of these people's lives you are able to peel the spiritual blinders away and help them to see their need of you and God we stand in that gap we love these people we love these people I don't I don't care what malady their name represents I don't care what what dysfunction their name represents. You've got to understand that Jesus died for them too. God so loved them also that he gave his only begotten son that they might have everlasting life and not perish. So we, we stand in that and we love in that way. So I encourage you today, even at the conclusion of service today, if you feel so moved, the pens are still there. There's still room on the board. You can, you can move out and, and jot some names down. We're going to continue in agreement over the salvation for the salvation of these people who are represented here. Okay? So, so let's just continue to stand in that. Do not miss out on our Unite prayer and worship experiences. They are powerful times in the Lord. Also, I will continue, remember, uh, remind you, there we go, 
remind you that Tuesdays here in Winterville, this campus is open 9 a.m. till 8 p.m. for prayer. And at our Chacoinity location, that is open on Wednesdays for the same hours. So by all means, take advantage of that. So Jesus was fueled by love, as we've already discussed. But if love was the fuel, then certainly we can observe from Scripture that there were some additives in that fuel uh, that, that were present in Jesus' life. So as we'll learn today, one of those irreplaceable uh, additives in, in Jesus' love for us was his humility. It was a love for us that operated in humility. And I, I, I want to I just mention here that Jesus was and is a humble king who serves a desperate world in need. So let's look together at our, at our text today, this particular passage here, Philippians chapter 2. We're going to begin reading here in verse 5, and we're going to begin to understand how Jesus displayed his passion for humanity while both on, on, on earth and on the cross. And the word says, Let this mind be in you which also was in Christ Jesus. I love the way that Paul opens that, that dissertation there as he's speaking to us because the challenge to us is, hey, Jesus suffered for us leaving an example that we should follow in his steps, period. With, without, without any asterisks beside it, without any disclaimers under it, that's just, the, that's just the pattern that's been established. We don't always have to ask why. We may not understand the significance of a water baptism. We may not always understand the manifestation of spiritual gifts. We may not always understand everything that we see Jesus doing in the Word, but we can understand that He is our pattern for life, faith, and holiness. And so Paul encourages us right out of the gate without explanation. The, the admonition is, let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on to elaborate and says, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And I wonder how many of us, when it comes to this point in our walk of faith, operate, last week we underscored how that Jesus operated in an unconditional love, that agape love, that, that love that's without term or condition. I wonder when it comes to this level of faith, how many of us operate on a conditional faith? God, I'm willing to go and to do what you're calling me to where you're calling me to go and do what you're calling me to do, but only if it aligns with my priorities list, my schedule, and my comfort zone. Paul, more than many, came to understand that those who are used by God for great things are often used outside their comfort zones, outside their conveniences. I have been abased and I know how to abound. 
but I've learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. I know, I know what it's like to have things the way that I want them to be. I know what it's like to be on the hillside, roaming free, preaching the gospel. I know what it's like by the will of God to go in chains into the dungeon that I might be an evangelist in the life of a Philippian jailer that he and his household might be saved. But I've learned wherever I'm at that if I'm in the will of God, then that is the place I belong. So I willfully go. He knew that, that all of his life had to be surrendered to God, which begs the question for us today, have we surrendered everything to God? Have we surrendered our thoughts to God, moreover, and our mindset? And I'm not suggesting, hear me, hear me please. I am not recommending today that you take on an inferiority complex. You know, woe is me, I'm nothing, I'm dirt. No, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You understand that? You were ordained with purpose from your mother's womb. God has a glorious and grand design for your life. Don't misunderstand me on that. But here's the thing. I'm saying that we need to reverence the Lord in our lives by walking humbly before him. We need to reverence the Lord by walking humbly before him. Listen, a lot of people say, you know, they, we, love, we love to wrest from their context the, the passages of Scripture that best suit us. So anytime that we are living in a way that, you know, somebody around us doesn't seem to favor, then we love to pull out the passage of Scripture that says, you know, we're to work out our own salvation. You don't judge me, I'm working out my own salvation. You know, like there's a different standard for you than there is for the rest of the world. I'm, I'm working out my own stuff. But we forget to add the B part on that that says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling before the Lord. A fear of the Lord, a reverential fear and a humility in our heart that says, God, whatever I've got, I lay on the altar before you. I put you at the priority of my life. Flesh is no longer in control. The carnal mind is not in control, but the mind that has been submitted to the truth of God's word, the mind that has been subjected to the lordship of Jesus Christ, that's how I live. And that's from the vantage point from where I live. George Bernard Shaw, famous playwright and politician in the 1800s. I don't, I don't agree with everything that he says or every stand that he makes, but he did make this statement, and I agree with it. Those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. Those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. Let me tell you something that reverberates in my heart today as loud or more loudly than it ever has, and that is the proverb that says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The way you think about yourself, the way that you think about yourself as an individual, the way you think about yourself in relation to God, it drives the decisions of your life, and the decisions of your life develop the habits of your life. And sometimes we are where we are, and if we trace it all the way back, it goes to a problem in our thought life. The way, that we have, the way that we have addressed our thoughts. Listen, thankfully the Bible though has some very, very specific instruction and encouragement about our mind and the thoughts therein. And to be honest with you church, if you're going to think like Christ and have the mindset of Christ, I imagine for most of us here today, I know it's true for me, I need some drastic mental reform. 
And, and here it comes. One of the most well-known pieces of instruction on this matter comes from Paul later on in the book of Philippians who says, whatever is true, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That church, can I tell you something? In, in the year of our Lord, 2023, that requires a very intentional effort. That, that requires us to examine the thoughts that we're thinking. As Paul says to the Corinthian church that we take every thought captive to the cross or to the lordship of Jesus Christ. We, we, we run those thoughts through the grid of truth, the voice of the Holy Spirit, and we say, wait a minute, that doesn't pass right there. That doesn't pass the litmus because it doesn't line up with the word of God about my life, about the individuals around me, about the world, about the church I serve in, any of those things. This doesn't pass the test. It doesn't, it's rejected. Say, well, pastor, I can't help the thoughts, I think. That's right. You can't help the birds fly over your head, but you can keep them from nesting in your hair. And the same way that you can't help the thoughts that pass through your mind, you can decide which ones you meditate on and which ones you allow to resonate in your spirit. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And, and so often our, our thoughts wander off into a deep, dark territory and we can get ourselves stuck somewhere and even begin to believe things that simply aren't true. Now, in all honesty, and this is not necessarily for a show of hands here this morning, although I feel like it's going to resonate with a lot of people, and that is to say, how many of you ever find yourself from time to time rung up over something I mean, just like you are all out of sorts. And the truth of the matter is, if you'd stop for two seconds, you'd realize that you are rung up over an assumption. I mean, just, just you, a situation evolved, you took it at face value, you made a snap judgment, and you've allowed anger, you've allowed fear, you've allowed anxious thoughts, whatever the case may be, to begin to well up and take over and even inform your action. You about, you about to call somebody up and ring them out because you assume something about their intention and the truth of the matter is they don't, if you, if you approach them with it, they're not going to have any idea what you're talking about. So the truth of the matter is that we yield to default thoughts sometimes rather than thinking through a situation. And, and you, you know, we, we maybe thought somebody intended something towards us. We assume the worst with no logical underpinning at all. And we begin to behave according to that thought. And that's why it's so important that we heed Paul's advice today to let the mind be in us that was in Christ Jesus who being found in the form of God didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took on the form of a servant being found in the likeness of a servant, became obedient to the death, even the death of the cross. That's the admonition for you and I today. 
And I, 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 you know, I'm going to be honest with you here. Paul's antidote is to focus on things that are true, noble, praiseworthy, and lovely, and whatever's admirable. But can I be honest, in our society today, with the inundation of negativity, this is a lot easier said than done. So what do we do? What do we do? We look to Paul again, to the... To, the Holy Spirit's work through the Apostle Paul as he writes to the church, Romans 12, gives us some extremely practical mindset advice. And that advice is this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind can I tell you today church that what you put into your mind is what will come out if you're feeding yourself a steady diet of negativity if you're feeding yourself a steady diet of anti-christian philosophy if you're feeding yourself a steady diet of anxious thoughts then what you will get as a yield out of your life are those things but as we get into the word of the Lord, this is, you got to understand this. When, when, when the word says study to show yourself approved, a workman unto God, it's not, just a, it's not just a legalistic standard. I mean, you're not a better Christian just because it's, it's for your own good. It's for my own good that I get into this word. Can I tell you today that it is the grace of God that through ages of tyrants and despots and people who have sought to destroy the word of the Lord that the Holy Spirit has preserved from generation to generation that you and I can look into the mirror of God's truth and by it we can be transformed into the likeness of our Savior. And we can have the mind of Christ. We can, we can not be conformed to the patterns of the world. They're not going to give you the mindset of Christ. In fact, they will not only not give you the mindset of Christ, they will develop in you a very anti-Christian perspective of the world in which you live and the life which you lead. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the power of the Holy Spirit, the reading of scriptures and prayer, and then you will better know the will of God I want to challenge you today church can I can I challenge you with this because this is a lost paradigm in our generation we don't we don't hear people teach about holiness anymore we don't really hear a lot on righteousness and things of the kind but can I challenge you with this and I understand why we made holiness about a form and a, and a look as far as a religious code and if you're holy you'll you'll dress in certain ways and you'll do certain things and it's a very legalistic and tight thing and it's a weight that we were never intended to bear but can I tell you that holiness and righteousness are very clear kingdom principles in the word and I want to challenge you that when God's word in the first 10 commandments of God says do not commit adultery but yet, by default, we consent to a world doing the very thing that is contrary to the law of God. We become desensitized to the principles of the kingdom. Our hearts become hardened to the things of God, and we're just like, ah, it's just, it's just uh, whatever. No, that grieves the heart of God. 
That grieves the heart of God. It does not produce in us the mind of Christ. But it, it begins to put us back in that carnal mindset that's at enmity against God. And that's just one of many. When, we are, when we're partakers, when the word says thou shalt not kill, and we consume a steady diet of violence, we're not valuing human life at the same rate that God does. And we need to be very careful about that. The things that we allow in the eye gate, in the ear gate, that inform our thoughts, and our thoughts inform our actions, and actions become habits. And habits become who we are. Right? And, and what's our goal? It's to be like Jesus. It's to be like Jesus. Why? Why do we want to be like Jesus? Why? Why is this so important? Because let me tell you something. Unless the king of glory dealt in a garden, lonesome and alone and forsaken, and prayed, Father, not my will, but yours be done, and in humility gave himself for you and I, none of us would be sitting here today singing the song of the redeemed and rejoicing in the power of the blood. We'd just be lost, like everyone else, without hope. Now, we need to, in the Gospel of Luke, we, we get the picture of Jesus praying on the Mount of Olives. Again, we, we're, we'll look here for just a moment. Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. A clear sign of humility and his love in humility. Jesus was in anguish as he prayed. You understand that? Even still, he humbled himself. He gave himself to the will of God, which led to the cross. Now, Jesus had a humble mindset and posture, as Paul relates it in our Philippians pasture, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. I'm going to tell you what. If I'm Jesus, and, and you can deny it all you want to, but you're of the same substance that I am. <laughs> and if I was Jesus, when I stood before the councils to be judged by lowly man, when I went to the praetorium to be paraded in front of Pilate, they would know who I was. Right? I mean, my, my credentials would just be dripping off. Do, do you know who I am? As a matter of fact, they asked him, are you who you... And he said, hey, you said. John's disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, are, are you he or do we wait for another? Jesus said, you go back and you tell John that the blind see, the deaf hear, and the dead live again. If, my, if that's not proof enough, I got nothing to say. I am who I am. Even still, he humbled himself, and he gave himself to the will of God, which led to the cross. Jesus, Jesus had a humble mindset and posture again, and Jesus acted in humility in the most unbelievable way. He didn't count his godly nature as something to take advantage of or hide behind. Instead, he willingly chose to make himself nothing, trading his godly nature for that of a servant. He acted hum in humility. He became human. He was born into a poor family. And the rest, as they say, is history. And I really want to grab a hold of what's being said here. Jesus didn't count his godly nature as something that was a worthy excuse of, of releasing him from from obedience 
So how in the world could we ever excuse ourselves from full obedience to the will and word of God based on our carnal preferences? Stories of great humility almost always cause us to take a step back and offer our admiration to those involved. But maybe, maybe those are stories are so striking because they're so rare. It's become almost unbelievable to us that people would take the time out of their busy lives to serve and to love others, and, which is probably why Jesus told us to act in humility, to serve and to love one another and to give all the glory to God in the process. Because humility is fundamentally about others. And we've been challenging you to love on other people and to serve other people because again, the, the example that we see in Christ, it's not just for our benefit, but the call to you and I is that as we have been loved in kind, in the same way that we've been loved. That's why this is so important for us to understand today, church, because the call of Christ is that in the same way that we've been loved, we're to love other people and let me just give you this today and you can you can jot this down in your notes but humility is fundamentally about others in other words it's not humility is not about thinking about yourself or thinking less of yourself it's actually thinking of yourself less in frequency Focus in our time, our energy, and our thoughts on other people. Sometimes, you know, people say, well, I don't go to church because I can't get anything out of it. Yeah, but what could you give into it? What, what could other people benefit from your presence? How could you encourage someone else? When, 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 you are, when, when you are putting yourself in proximity to other people and they find in you a life story that is similar to theirs, they find in you a, an experience that is similar to theirs and they're struggling but yet they look on at you and your hands are raised. Yes, you're being edified in the Lord but so also are they being encouraged because we forget when we're bashing people with Hebrews 10, 25 to come to the house of the Lord that the purpose of coming to the house of the Lord is that we would encourage one another with love and good works that we would we would for, we would provoke one another forward in the faith and it starts with how we think it grows into selfless acts of service for others and it continues in obedience to the great calling of Christ in our lives. And, and one of the most important steps that we can take as it relates to mirroring Christ's humility is the step of obedience. It's one thing to act in a humble way towards others, but it's another thing to act and walk humbly before God. If you're taking notes, jot down Micah chapter 6, verse 8 to your studies and read through that this week. Paul says that when Jesus appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on the cross. And, you know, frequently, and here's, here's where we really get caught up on the whole humility thing. Because humility will often lead us to places of sacrifice. Humility will often lead us through our own Gethsemanes, to our own Golgothas, to our own places of laying down our lives for the sake of others. 
frequently, obedience may cost us something. But the truth is, what it costs us, it also births through us something wonderful as we walk in obedience to the Word. Do you, do you remember the scene of Scripture when Jesus is sentenced to death? Even, even Pilate, the one who gets to decide what happens to Jesus, doesn't believe that Jesus has done anything to deserve to die as a criminal. And yet he, he does. And this is what obedience to the Father looked like for Jesus. It looks like bowing before Christ every day on our knees, inviting Him into our story, thanking Him for His sacrificial love. And that sacrifice is what obedience costs Christ, His very life. But what did Jesus' obedience birth? Oh my goodness. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus didn't stay dead. Instead, all the pain, all the suffering in the life of Christ served a purpose in, in his life just as it does in ours. And do you believe that God can use the hard times for our good? Amen? And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among the brethren. All along God was working in the life of Christ and the same is true for us. He's working in us. God can use every situation, every frustration, every obstacle, every last thing for the good of those that love him and as we learn to trust him we learn to value we learn the value of obedience and faithfulness which leads us to more and more christ likeness i invite you to stand as our worship team comes and i want to challenge you to consider the road of humility in this coming week Where are the areas in our lives that we need to think about others? That we need to put them first? That we need to trade our lives for theirs? Can I tell you something, church? We, we mentioned earlier some, some principles around the next generation. Can, can I just tell you that this is one of those areas that they're really watching the church on? To see, are, are we going to be the people, not make the right proclamations, but do the right things and, and walk in authenticity and really, truly love people the way that Christ has called us to love people. So this is why we camp here and we talk about being fueled by love and being, because it is, Jesus even said the trademark of true believers was going to be the love they had one for another. And then the call beyond that is to love other people the way that he's loved us and love our neighbors as ourselves. So how, how can we lift others up? How can we encourage them? How can we help them to feel and to know the love of Christ for their own lives? Church, that, that's our mission, to love as he has loved. I want to invite you, every head bowed and every eye closed all across this all across this sanctuary, those of you on the online campus joining in. Maybe today as our, as our worship team leads us, it's a, it's a good time for a season of reflection. 
just to invite the Holy Spirit in and say, search me, O oh God, and know my heart and see where things like vanity and pride are cropping up and where they're drowning out or overpowering the principles of the kingdom in my life and what, what thoughts need to be reined in that I can walk in a sacrificial love for those around me and the world around me and those whom I'm called to love. How can I prefer others above myself? Where, where are those areas, Lord? What does that look like in my life? Maybe you're here today and you're, you're, you're just saying, well, Pastor, for me, that first step of humility would be to, to come and recognize that I'm a sinner, that I'm lost. Maybe you're watching online today and you're hearing this word. And you would say, Pastor, that's me. I, I, I've been proud. I've been resistant. But today I sense the Spirit's call and He's drawing me to Himself in this moment. And today I just, I want to, I want to start a new relationship with Him. Would you just simply pray with me now? Father, I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of the wrong I've done. To cleanse me with the blood of Jesus and make me a new creation. I yield from this day forward. I purpose to live for you. To bring glory and honor to your name. I invite you, Lord, to take residence in my heart, to help me control my thoughts and my mind, and Lord, that every act from today forward would be pleasing to you. I know you're a gracious God and you'll guide me. And I yield myself to that leadership. Teach me your way, O oh God, and help me to spend the rest of my life following hard after you. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.